Good morning, New Community Church. This morning, we're going to be continuing to look at the Sermon on the Mount. And the passage that we're going to be looking at is Matthew 6, verses 19 to 24. And it's here that Jesus looks at the very core. He looks at our heart, he looks at our values, and he looks at our motives. So, reading from verse 19. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moths and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. Instead, store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moths and rust do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, that's where your heart's going to be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. So here Jesus mentions only two treasures, treasures on earth and treasures in heaven. Treasures on earth could be ones that are highly prized. They're attractive, such as wealth, possessions, reputation, insolites, power, influence, and the desire to be noticed. The world can offer packages that look really attractive and inviting on the, ins- on the outside. However, when we open them up, they end up being empty and unsatisfying and of no lasting value. However, treasures in heaven, on the outside, they can look really boring and very repetitive, but actually inside they have lasting value, not just for life here, but for eternity, because we are eternal beings and God wants us to enjoy the treasures of heaven, not just now, but into eternity, which is forever. But we'll have a look at these later. And Jesus says, the eye is the lamp of the body. He describes the eye as being either healthy or unhealthy. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body, he says, is going to be full of light. And that word healthy is, is, is hapless. And it means good and single, one purpose, one focus. And it also means to be very generous. Whereas the, the bad eye, the unhealthy eye, is evil and it's described as being stingy. So when you look at people, what do you see? Do you see a person of potential? Do you see the treasure within? Do you see with a can-do what they could do and their value? Or do you see through a stingy eye? Do you see what's missing? Do you see what's lacking? Do you see their faults and their weaknesses? There are two perspectives. And Jesus wants us to look 
with a healthy eye, with an eye that's focused on him and sees the good and sees the treasure in others. A few days ago, G uh, Clive bought me some flowers for Valentine's Day. And when I looked at them, I thought, Clive, where did you buy them from? The buds were beginning to droop a little bit and the leaves were curling. And I thought, well, they're not going to last very long. Well, Clive had a different perspective. He had a look on Google and he cut the stems with a sharp knife, not scissors. He turned the buds round and he was even prepared to wrap them in newspaper so that the stems would straighten once again. He had a different perspective. He saw value and he was willing to put input into something that I thought wasn't going to last very long. And actually, I've had many days of beautiful roses. So we have to be careful how we look. Whatever you set your eyes on affects your heart. Your heart and your eyes are connected. And Luke in chapter 6 verse 45 says, A good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good and an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart brings forth evil. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Whatever is stored up in your heart, whatever you put your gaze on and get stored up in your heart will come out. It will come out with your attitudes, it will come out of your mouth, and it will come out with your actions. So it's so important that we guard our heart and we're careful what we focus on. And Jesus wants our focus to be on him and on his word and for our character and our whole being to be bathed and flooded with light. It's rather like an old projector, which would have been used at Central Hall to show the movies during the 1930s. Cinefilm would pass between the lamp and the lens. And whatever was on the film would be projected onto the big screen. And in the same way, whatever is stored up within us, rather like the cine film, is projected through our mouths and our lives. The lamp can, with a focus on Jesus, light up your whole life, a brightly lit character like God in his image. Joseph Rank and I'm sure people at Central Hall know this, maybe you might not know that he was born in Hull in 1854, which was where my grandparents came from. And he became wealthy through owning flour mills. Indeed, there was a flour mill in Southampton, which my grandfather worked in. And he gradually became very, very wealthy through innovation, through entrepreneurship, through introducing machinery into the mills. And not only was he very wealthy, but he was also a strong believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. He was, he was a Methodist. And he used his wealth, not just for himself and for building his own family, but he invested his wealth into the church at that time. And the Methodist church, with his help, built 99 Methodist central, central halls throughout the whole of the UK, and Joseph had a son, Joseph Arthur Rank. And Joseph Arthur was involved in the film business. 
And he so wanted, like his father, to communicate the gospel, to change communities and to change the values of families. And he would show films. And so at Central Hall, through the projector, there was all sorts of black and white and the beginning of coloured films. And to get your place to watch the films, you had to come to the family service. So outside Central Hall, there would have been up to 600 excited children queuing outside to come into Central Hall to watch Felix the Cat and Charlie Chaplin. So he was a really good example of somebody who used his wealth, whose, whose vision and his focus was on Jesus, and he used his wealth to build communities, transform lives. But there was another young man in the Bible, and he was very, very wealthy. He was a young entrepreneur, he was full of enthusiasm and energy, and Jesus, what can I do? I want to do more. How can I receive eternal life? And Jesus looked at him and he said, you need to be willing to give up everything for me and then come and follow me. And that young man went away sad. He was not prepared to give up everything to follow Jesus. And Jesus looked sadly as he went into the distance and he turned to his disciples and he said, I tell you the truth, it's very hard for a rich person to enter the kingdom of heaven. I'll say it again, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. And I don't think Jesus was really talking about a camel. He was using another word. He was using a play on words, a, a chameleon. And that's a rope. And Jesus was saying where the rope is frayed and there are lots of different interests and values and possessions, it's very difficult to get it through an eye of a needle. But when it's single, when it's got one purpose, when it's got one desire to please Jesus, then there is entry into the kingdom of heaven, both now and through into eternity. And Jesus said right at the end, he said, you cannot serve both God and money. And that word cannot is a very strong word. And it came heavily onto his followers and his disciples. And the word he used wasn't, wasn't money. It was the word, an old-fashioned word that we don't use much now, but it was mammon. And mammon is a word for a spirit. It's a demonic entity that attaches itself to wealth. And it becomes a controlling factor Wealth can control us if it's not fully go, given over to Jesus and to the kingdom. And the Hebrew root word, the Hebrew root right at the source of mammon is a man. And that means to entrust. And so God in his generosity entrusted this world, all of the resources to us, to man and woman, to humanity, and instead of it being entrusted to us, people put their trust in the resources, in the wealth, in the money. And these things, instead of becoming a blessing and to be used to bless others, they became idols and they became snares. And God does not want that for us. He wants us to be free and for our resources to be used for the kingdom and for his purposes. In the 1970s, Tear Fund began 
feeding program in the Sudan. And the Sudan, you, you probably are aware, is a war-torn nation. It's currently under flooding. It's been a nation for nine years, but there are lots of ethnic groups that for centuries have fought. And Tear Fund have been feeding the starving people out there and supporting them and helping them. And in March of 1993, a, a young man called Kevin Carter, he spent some time in the Sudan and he took pictures. That was his gift. And one of the pictures he took of was of a, a starving girl as she was making her way to the feeding centre. And she stumbled. And at that moment, a vulture came and landed beside her. And he took the picture. He captured that moment in time, came back home. And the picture became a, a, a real success. He won the Pulitzer Prize. But three months later, this is what he wrote shortly before his death. I cannot live with the vivid images of killing and corpses and starving and wounded children. What he, saw, what he saw led to despair and his own death. But today, Tear Fund is still in the Sudan and they invest in the greatest treasure of all, the people because we are God's treasure. And they invest in people. You won't see them promoting starving people, but you will see them promoting their success, what they're doing in investing in people, helping with agriculture, equipment. They train and empower the people. They teach hygiene, nutrition, and they protect the women and the children in a very vulnerable place in the Sudan. God has put his treasure within us in jars of clay. 2 Corinthians 4 verse 7, Paul writes to the Corinthians, we now have this light shining in our hearts, but we ourselves are like fragile clay jars containing this great treasure. This makes it clear that our great power is from God, not from ourselves. God has invested himself, his treasure in us. And the word for a jar of clay is ostronicus. It's a very simple, very second rate clay, but we have value because of the image that we bear and the treasure of God's Holy Spirit. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. So finally, treasures in heaven. They look very bland, very maybe unexciting from the outside. But our greatest treasure is God himself. God has made himself known through his word. It's his word, his story from creation all the way through to revelation. We find out about who God is, what he's done, how amazing he is, how much he loves us, why Jesus came, his death, burial and resurrection. Our treasure is to be found in the word of God and in people. Amen.